Boom! There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Are you 21 years of age or older? Are you at that age where you're wondering, hmm, what are some of these legal products that I can take advantage of? That's today's episode. So we're going to get started okay. with today's show and a little bit more healthier kick. Let's see what that's all about. All right. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. James is about to drop some heat for you, so here we go. Do here your thing, we go. Man. All right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is you're listening to us on today. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Subscribe. Drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.com schedule your time and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at business bros pod all right everybody we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to the business bros pod i feel like i'm getting ready to talk to someone from Mad Men right now today's guest had the unenviable job once had the unenviable job of convincing people to use a product that's bad for them everywhere we look all ads point to no on cigarettes and tobacco products even my dear old teacher mr Maggie used to say, tobacco is bad, okay? Our guest built his career fighting that uphill battle for the world's largest tobacco company, finally resigning as the lead strategist in the world where strategic marketing is played at the absolute highest levels. Our guest is now using his skills to help people escape the cigarette addiction by offering new, reduced-risk tobacco and nicotine-free products. Tune in to hear how our guest is convincing people to change decades-long habits and, hopefully, give them a chance to give up tobacco for good. Joining us today from Tech Global Alternatives, welcome to the show, Steady Oscarella! Seti, there it is, man. What do you think? That was probably the best intro I think anyone's ever given me. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Take a bow, Ham. Take a bow. Hey, you know what? I'm sit here and listen to that again. <laughs> well, we'll it. send it to you as an, as, as an mp3 you can put it That's on your alarm you know there you go that's it welcome to the business bros welcome to the business bros let's do this so let's jump off with the most obvious question what is this product that you got going on what what is that how is it a tobacco free like what what what's going on here all right uh, i'll i'll try to keep it as simple as possible we make an alternative to traditional cigarettes we don't use tobacco. We don't deliver nicotine. So it's a non-addictive option. But we figured out how to make it taste like a cigarette. So for smokers, when they switch over to tat, they now have the power to choose. If you want to smoke, smoke. You don't want to smoke, don't smoke. And there isn't a product on the market today that gives smokers that power to choose. So we wanted to be able to provide them with a viable option, which I think solves a huge pain point for them. And on top of that power to choose, we've been able to make it 
we've been able to make this product satisfy a smoker's appetite mm. just the same, if not better than a cigarette. Ooh, so, you know, and it's funny because a lot of it is social, right? Like when people go out and have a cigarette, it's kind of like that five minute break that they get to go out. Sometimes to literally take a breather, to yeah. socialize with friends and and, and uh, coworkers or whatever. Uh, this alternative really opens that up. And I mean, let's face it, there were unhealthy things that were happening for generations for people who were smoking cigarettes traditionally. And we are literally in the midst of a huge pandemic that has to do with uh, a lot of lungs type stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, moving towards this other type of product, how, yeah. what, what, what does that do as far as our health concern? Listen, I'm never going to tell somebody that smoking is good for you. It isn't. If you don't smoke, I'm telling you, don't start. If you do smoke, first thing you should do, quit. Now, if you mm -hmm. don't want to do those two things, then I suggest you try TAT. And one of the reasons why we wanted to make the product taste just like a cigarette is because that's our market. I'm not trying to get people who don't smoke to start smoking my product. I don't want people who've already quit to start smoking the product again. There's a billion and a half people around the world who smoke. There's an enormous market. Honestly, it's harder to get people who don't smoke to start smoking. I'd rather give existing smokers a better option. And I think that's exactly what TAT is. So when they switch over, like I just said, They'll have, in my mind, the power to choose if you want to smoke, smoke. If you don't want to smoke, don't smoke. Because from the psychology of or the, the psyche of a smoker, and I used to be one, the thought of forever is a long time. So that's one of those things that sometimes precludes them from wanting to quit because it's this binary thing. You either quit or you don't. With this mm -hmm. product, now you can, I think, have a much better handle on your consumption. And in moments where you want to smoke, you can go out and smoke and you're going to feel fine. Times that you don't want to smoke, you're not going to have to because you don't have that physiological dependency to nicotine. See, nicotine is probably the most useless drug that ever existed. Okay. The way nicotine works, it's got a half-life of 45 minutes in the blood. After an hour, you're in withdrawal. That's why a smoker goes outside and wants to smoke every hour. It's not because they, they're angry or they're agitated. They're just in withdrawal. They don't know. Oh, I didn't even What's know that. going to take that away? And you still provide that satisfaction, that calming, which we're able to do. I mean, our product delivers CBD, so we're able to do that. But CBD isn't addictive. So now the smoker is not going to have that withdrawal symptom because they're not addicted to nicotine. You don't have any. Hmm. So you have that power to choose. And you're not going to feel agitated all day. Yeah, yeah. And and really, that's the nicotine. That, that's the hardest part to kick, right? It's not really the smoking habit. It's that drug that's that's pulling you back every half hour, 45 minutes, like you're explaining. That's the part that keeps people coming back. Um, does it have any other effects on the physical body? Things like, I mean, does it help me perk me up and give me energy, drop me down, like, dude, like that crashing style? I've never uh, been a cigarette smoker. Yeah, look, it, it's got a bit of a stimulant. Like, it sounds like caffeine, and that's not by coincidence, but it's highly addictive. Right. I mean, the, the main point of nicotine is to create an addiction. And then as a crappy drug, it doesn't last all that long. So you keep wanting to re-up every hour. Right. Mm -hmm. Keith Richards, I think, put it best. He's like, quitting smoking for him was harder than quitting heroin. So as, as far as a company is concerned, like, you know, where you're going with this company, can you tell me a little bit about where you were and where you are today? Like, what, where are you at as a company? Sure. So we launched the product into the U.S. Uh, late December 2020. Okay, so we're coming up on a year of, of product being in market. We launched in Ohio in a handful of stores. 
And from there, we're now in over 20 states. We're in about 1,500 stores around the country. That's growing daily. We've landed international distribution deals uh, with the UK, Ireland, Australia, and most recently, Austria. I mean, we're in active discussions with a number of countries around the world that want to start bringing this product in. And really, the, the ultimate goal for the company, for me, I want to be able to provide this product to anybody who smokes around the world. So if you mm -hmm. smoke, I want this product to be available to you. There's a lot of stores. There's a lot of smokers. And I think if, we're, if we succeed in that front, the company itself is going to be a tremendous success. And this product is being sold like in regular stores or do you have to go like to, since it's CBD, is it like, do you have to go to like a dispensary type thing or how, how does no. the product work? No. I mean, one of the things that we wanted to do is really leverage uh, some of the learnings we had from Beyond Meat. Okay. If you think about Beyond Meat, at the end of the day, Beyond Meat's a veggie burger. Mm -hmm. What it, it is. I mean, veggie burgers have existed forever. They're in the frozen food section. A lot of them taste like sawdust. Nobody cares. <laughs> okay. The reason Beyond Meat did well, in my mind, is because they figured out how to make this veggie burger taste and feel a lot more like a regular hamburger, and they put it in the meat aisle. Mm. Okay. Similarly, with Tat, we have what we call Beyond Tobacco, which is the filler uh, that we use in the cigarette, and that's made from a variety of different uh, plant materials that we combine together to get that flavor profile of tobacco, but we don't use tobacco. So it's similar to Beyond Meat in that front. But one of the things that I always thought they did really smartly is that they put it where their target consumer would otherwise be buying their product. Beyond mm. Meat's made for people who would otherwise eat meat. Tat is made for people who would otherwise smoke cigarettes. And as such, we want it placed. We want it placed exactly next to where cigarettes are otherwise sold. So in, in convenience stores, uh, gas stations, anywhere somebody would normally go to buy a pack of cigarettes. We want TAT available there because they're already going. So if you want to preempt the consumer or your target consumer, put your product where they normally go and buy your competitor. Mm. That's just that's that's smart retail shopping 101, right? That's that makes logical sense. Um, uh, what you're facing, though, on the upside is is you have limited capabilities of marketing your product like cigarettes. I'm sure you're limited to radio. You're limited on like Facebook campaigns. You're limited on that kind of exposure. What are you doing to get the word out as far as what your product has to offer? I'm always curious about that industry. Like how do you, how do you continue to market your company when you are highly regulated? Well, I'll tell you, one of the beauties about TAC is that it's not nearly as regulated as tobacco is because for a lot of the tobacco regulation, it's written around a plant or a drug. It's either written on tobacco or it's written around nicotine. We mm. don't have either. So a lot of those regulations don't apply. Like, for instance, like we self-impose 21 plus on our product. There's no law that says we have to. Mm. But we think that it's good corporate governance or, you know, uh, corporate social responsibility to sell the product to people who would otherwise be smokers. And you shouldn't be smoking if you're not over the age of 21. So that's why we put that restriction in ourselves. When it comes to marketing, we do a lot of marketing where available. But I think a lot of it, I mean, if you look at the alcohol industry, you know, the, one of the key things, the key success factors for them is liquid to lips. If you can get your liquid onto someone's lips, the chances of them liking the product is higher than if they've never heard of it or never tried it. True. Similar here, the strategy really is stick to mouth. You, you got to put that cigarette in the mouth of people who smoke and you want to run intercepts where they would normally go either to have a cigarette or where they would normally go to buy a cigarette. And then when you see them 
engaging in those activities, you can then introduce the product because you know that they are your target market. We've and had the, is the market is just so extraordinarily large that even fractional percentage equates to just extraordinary numbers. Like globally, the market is a trillion dollars a year. Who? The U.S. alone is almost a hundred billion dollars a year. Well, let, let me ask you about that because the world market compared to like the U.S. market, for example. Um, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot more of don't smoke. There's a lot more in education. There's a lot more in in, uh, in in anything related to smoking. There's a lot more regulation, a lot more education. Is it the same around the world? I mean, you're looking for an opportunity to give somebody a healthier option of smoking, if you can really say that, right? A different option of smoking that that doesn't uh, I think get it's a better hurt. option. A better I think option, have the right? Best option on the market for smokers. So in the U.S., I can see how that people are looking for that because they're being pushed in that way. Globally, is that is that something that people are looking for as well? 100%. Listen, from my time at Philip Morris, I spent a lot of time working with smokers, like thousands of them, okay? And when you take a look at that market, you'd find that about 75-ish percent of smokers have tried vaping, okay? But if you take a look at the nicotine market, the number of smokers still outweighs the number of vapors 20 to 1. So if all of these people have tried vaping, why are they all still smoking? The nicotine. Vape has nicotine too. It's the form factor. People enjoy smoking versus putting a USB stick in their mouth. Mm. They enjoy the taste of tobacco more than creme brulee 20 times a day. Like I used to give this example, like I like blueberry pancakes. I can't have blueberry pancakes 20 times every day for the next 30 years and still enjoy the taste of blueberry pancakes. But a Marlboro smoker will so smoke the same cigarette 20 times every day, 20 years, and on the next day, they'll still buy the Marlboro. Smoking, mm. tobacco is one of the only flavor profiles I can think of that a consumer doesn't get sick of the taste. That's mm. why we wanted to match that flavor profile. Because again, it comes down to really understanding what it is your consumer wants. It's not just the cigarette. It's not just the, the nicotine, or it's not just the CBD. It's the whole thing. And that's why we spend so much time engineering this product. So, you know, a package looks like a regular cigarette package because packaging works like a badge for smokers. Okay. Marlboro's not the, like I was at Philip Morris. We made Marlboro. I'll tell you, Marlboro's not the best tasting cigarette in the world. There's no such thing. It's subjective. It's got a great brand. It's got a great brand. You put out that pack of Marlboro. You don't you feel pretty good about yourself because you're like the Marlboro man. So you wanted to make the packaging is important because when people buy it, it's one of the few cons like CPG products that you buy that you take with you and display everywhere that you go. So mm. the branding, it works like a badge and it connects with you personally. There's an intimate relationship between a cigarette brand and the consumer. And you need to understand that and put it together. Okay. The, the, the cigarette itself, right? We made the cigarette. So a Marlboro will smoke for about seven to eight drags. Ooh, that, that. If you got to figure Marlboro's figured out what the appropriate number of, of drags are before you kind of get sick of it and you want to toss it out. It's almost one less than what you want. Huh. Right? Yes. That's, you match that. The way that the you, guys, you guys have done it like down to a science. Like, you exactly. know. Because if you really want to tackle this market, you have to deliver a product that people are going to want to switch over to. And until you understand what it is that consumers really want, what they're going after and what makes them comfortable, then you can provide something where the switch isn't uncomfortable because people in general don't like to feel uncomfortable. Mm.
can I can I ask a question? I I uh, like it's not it's kind of off topic, but sort of on topic. So I'm I'm listening to all of this and just thinking of like the marketing strategies that must go into this. Like mm-hmm. you know. At, at your level, it really is. It's the highest level. You've got you've got to have just genius marketing people around you. Um, what kinds of like tips and lessons and things can uh, uh, like s- smaller businesses take away from uh, from what you all do at these high levels? What are some like some some takeaways for the smaller businesses that are listening? Look, I mean, if you're if you're in a category that's a consumable. Okay, where people are going to consume your product, whether it's edible or whether it's a beverage or whatever, like a CPG product. To get people, you have to put in the work to get people to try it. Okay, Hmm. like the packaging will only take you so far, but you got to figure there's a whole wall of energy drinks. Hmm. Why is somebody going to choose yours? Hmm. Right. So first you have to figure out what is it that you're going after? Okay. Like, let's suppose you wanted to do an energy drink. Sure. What flavor profiles does your target consumer want to consume? Or at least what flavor profiles do you think they want to consume? Then you got to engineer a product that tastes good. Then you got to come up with a packaging that'll stand out on the shelf because if it just blends in, people will walk by. Mm -hmm. Then you have to put out, you have to get people to actually try it in the place where they would normally buy it. Like here, I'll give you an example. Like the Pepsi Taste Challenge. Okay. Remember the Pepsi Taste Challenge? I do, yep. yeah. Okay. What was the stat? Like 75% of people prefer the taste of Pepsi. Yep. It's okay. way bigger. Yeah. Do you know what the number one selling carbonated beverage is? Coca-Cola. Do you know what the number two carbonated uh, selling carbonated beverage is? Coke. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Pepsi's number two. <laughs> Why is Coke one and Diet Coke two? Branding, baby. Those polar bears are selling all kinds of Coke. That's just going on. But one of the things that I think Pepsi missed is they never closed the deal. So I give you a little bit of Pepsi. Do you like the taste? Yeah, it actually tastes pretty good. All right. See you later. Mm. Uh, Here's a a bottle. Here's this. Go buy it here. We'll give you like a year supply. We'll run a con something. All it was was self-affirmation. So, I mean, if you're going to engage in those activities, get people to take the action that you actually want. You've already got their attention. You've already got them to like your product. Now, do something to make them buy your product. Because once you get people to buy your product three, four times in a row, they'll stick with it. Now they develop that purchasing habit. Hmm. Hell yeah. That sounds, it's funny because when you explain it that way, it sounds so simple. Right. It's, it's like it's like common sense. Oh, I have a product. If you try it, you might like it. We might move forward with something like it, it, it totally makes sense. And yet there's so many entrepreneurs who, who make different excuses. For example, we've had COVID come around the corner. We've had an election come around the corner. And no matter what's going on in their business, they're going to be like, well, COVID jacked me up. That's why I failed. Oh, you know, president was elected. That's why I failed. You know, what do you do as an entrepreneur when these headwinds come your way, when things are changing, how do you adjust? Look, I think first and foremost, you got to take a look at the category that you're in. And it's hard to blame COVID or it's hard to blame who the president is if people are buying your competitor's product. Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm selling a carbonated beverage, COVID has nothing to do with it. Has the 
carbonated beverage market declines? Because then, yes, if the market's declined as a whole, okay, you can kind of blame whatever external factors there are. But if you're a startup and you're and you're, you're sort of up and coming, you got to figure out ways on how to operate and be nimble enough to compete. Because one of the advantages that you have is you don't have the weight of an organization behind you that precludes you from making quick moves. Mm. If you take a look at Philip Morris, Philip Morris is almost 90,000 people deep. It takes them a long time to change course. It's like a freight train. Yeah. Right. Once it's moving, it's moving. When you're up and coming or when you're starting out, you can pivot, you can move, you can do all of the things that you need to do to adjust to the market conditions so that you can deliver the product in a better way. Right. And again, I mean, I use the carbonated beverage as sort of a, a blanket example, but I mean, regardless of what industry that you're in, it, sometimes it's it's just taking a step back and thinking about it and trying to find a different angle of attack, hmm. right? Like, you're not going to move a mountain by whipping a tennis ball at it. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. So you know, maybe you got to climb it. Maybe you got to walk around it. Maybe like there's other ways to get to the other side. Um, and sometimes it's just it either comes to you or or you might see things a little bit differently. But if you got the perseverance to kind of push through, you'll be surprised where you end up. So let's talk a little bit about the company again. Um, you know, when you were talking about how we got to get people to try the product, try the product, uh, I started thinking a little bit about competitions, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I know that Monster, I remember them sponsoring all kinds of events. They had free samples and they had all kinds of stuff. They would do uh, different competitions and they would win awards. What have you guys done to get your product out there so that people can taste it and won any awards or any competitions, any type of stuff like that? Have you done anything? Yeah, like that? we started now that things have opened up, we started doing a lot more trade shows, which I think has been helpful because it gets us in touch with a lot of wholesalers and distributors from around the country. And every time we display at one, we always come back with you know a ton of orders. So going forward, I think that's going to be a key part of our commercialization strategy. From a marketing standpoint, we also sponsored the Professional Bull Riding League um, in the U.S., which I think has gone uh, really well. Again, I mean, they they tap into uh, a very distinct market. I always thought Cowboys did pretty good selling cigarettes, so I sponsored a whole army of them. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, we also sponsored Floyd Mayweather for the Logan Paul fight. Oh, nice. So his ring crew actually came out with tat hats, and that created a lot of curiosity and a lot of traction. I mean, I think at that point, we tripled our social media following overnight. He actually wow. created a little commercial for us. I didn't even know he was doing it. He actually created a little commercial for us, put it up on his IG, got like 4 million views in 16 hours or something. It was crazy. That's strategic. How, why, why pick that fighter, that fight? Why, why go after that versus uh, any other ones? What was some of the demographics or some things that you were looking at that might have? Everybody was talking that about that fight. It, all, it had nothing to do with the fight. It was a pop culture event. Yep. All the eyeballs were on it. Again, like in any sort of good fight, you, you've got almost like the, the good guy and the bad guy. You pay to watch the bad guy get beat, right? Mm. Well, for throughout his whole career, Floyd Mayweather was the bad guy. He sold the pay-per-views. In this one, it was the other way around. Logan Paul was the bad guy. You were praying for Floyd Mayweather to knock him out, <laughs> which I think he did. But <laughs> either way, you had a whole bunch of people watching that, paying attention to it. So mm -hmm. when you see cultural events like that that sort of transcend 
um, the sport, so to speak. Those sometimes are interesting things to participate in because you bring in more than sort of the um, hardcore fan, but more of a casual viewing audience. And they're looking at all of this stuff and it creates curiosity. I've never seen that brand. What is that? What are these guys wearing on their head? And then all of a sudden you start seeing traffic on the website increase. So I thought it was, it was smart. It really helped, you know, launch our brand. And on the back of that, it also created a lot of future opportunities because we started getting contacted by all kinds of different leagues that we weren't before. Like mm. NASCAR called, I had a professional wrestling league call. Um, I've had soccer teams call. I've had a whole bunch of other, like other boxing uh, promoters and, and, and boxing uh, boxers, uh, mixed martial arts. Like it, it was crazy what happened because we sponsored that. Hmm. That's amazing. So, I mean, you're literally doing what everybody talks about. You're following a trend. You found a trend that you thought, this is interesting. This is going to get the eyeballs that we're looking for. And it opened up a lot of other strategic partnerships. I mean, that's that's genius. Let's talk about strategic partnerships prior to that. In order to get your company off the ground, you're going to need to get funding, investors, unless you're self-funding this whole program by yourself. No. Um, what What was that venture like? What does it look like today? So we're a publicly traded company in Canada. Uh, we're on the uh, Canadian Securities Exchange. The ticker symbol is TAAT. Um, we also trade in in the U.S. on the OTC market. Ticker symbol is TOBAF. So being public really allowed us to um, access the capital markets to raise the capital that we need, so that we can go out and engage in a lot of these activities. Because I always view this as a race, right? And speed matters and in order to run as fast as you can you need fuel in the tank so you know we've been able we've been fortunate enough that we've been able to raise uh you know a fair amount of capital over the last year uh one of our big investors um are the folks behind a venture capital fund in hong kong called horizons ventures so they're backed by lee Kashing, who's one of the i think he's one of the top 10 richest guys in the world mm-hmm. um i mean and and that fund is for a lot of people who might not know what they are, they're a very prolific investor. So they were very early stage investors in companies like Facebook, in companies like Siri before Apple bought it, in companies like Impossible Foods, um, Dollar Shave Club, a uh, little company called Zoom. Like they were at like the seed round little for these companies. companies. So they take a look at early stage companies. And then take a view to say, okay, do we think that this thing can be a home run? And that's where they play. And we were really fortunate that we were able to get them on board. Um, So we raised some money from them uh, late last year. And we actually just closed another round with them uh, for 10 million bucks uh, just about a month ago. So, I mean, they've been very encouraged with the product, uh, the progress, and and, you know, being a great partner for us and providing some capital so that we can really continue on this journey. We got a, we got a question from uh, one of your followers here. Also asked Eddie about the targets on their slides for the 2022 to 2024. Yeah. So basically what we're looking to do, you know, if I take a look at the, um, the revenue targets, I'd say for Q for year one, and we're, we just finished up our first year, uh, we were hoping to hit seven figures in sales. We've already done that. Uh, Q2, I think, or sorry, year two, uh, I'd like to hit eight figures. And by year three, I think we can hit nine. So oh. 
you know, from a million dollar, you know, few million dollars in sales to tens of millions of dollars in sales to hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. And I think we can do that over the course of the next couple of years. What do you think is is your like what's the the indicator that you're looking at that is driving that trajectory? What's like your target focus that you want your company to to like what what's the thing that points north for everybody? Really, I think it's number of smokers. So, I mean, it, a smoker typically is worth about $1,000 a year. So, 100,000 smokers would be about $100 million in revenue. There's 40 some odd million smokers in America. If I convert 100,000 smokers to TAT, there's still 40 million smokers in America. Wow. <laughs> Any Let news on new products? Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. I got to give you credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, we cranking up on that one. I was like, "That's that's too good. That's too good." <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the, the numbers we're talking about, like, they're not they're not crazy. It's not like I'm I'm coming in saying, "All right, we're going to take sixty percent share." We're talking about like a quarter point, half a point, not even like one out of two hundred smokers. We've run focus groups where we've given product to smokers, hundreds of them, to use in home. We would get 70% approval rating. Yeah, I would totally buy this product. I'm not saying I want 70%. Like we could do this with a quarter of 1%. Yeah. A small number works. Because like uh, again, it's really it one of those businesses you almost have to trip over your shoelaces to not make it. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean the way you described it, how loyal people are there to their brand, like you know, that's literally a lifetime client. So I mean, it works, right? You got a mm -hmm. uh, you got another question over here. Well, any news on new products such as uh Sinus? Snooze? Snooze? Yeah, snooze is like uh, chewing tobacco. You put it in, uh, it's like a little tea bag. And when you use it, you don't have to spit. Um, look, it's something that we'll take a look at. I think right now we've got a tremendous product and we're really accelerating on the commercialization. I don't really want to distract a team uh, with a whole sort of portfolio of SKUs. I think mm -hmm. as you start establishing distribution, as you start establishing point of sale, and as you start demonstrating to these retailers that the product moves off the shelf, it's very easy to then develop and add new products into that channel. That's why when you take a look at Philip Morris, they've got like a hundred brains. But they started with one main one. It all goes to the same place, right? So mm -hmm. it is stuff that we're looking at in terms of different products across the different tobacco categories. And I think that Beyond Tobacco will perform well in a number of those categories. But the focus for the immediate, like an MC, like immediate future is really to start building that distribution channel, get the point of sales up, and then to sort of float new products through, I don't think will be terribly difficult. When can we get TAT in Canada? We're working on it. It's um, it's a regulatory thing in Canada. So in the US, the product is, uh, is federally legal because one of the product, one of the ingredients we use is hemp, um, but it doesn't taste like hemp. So we figured out how to transform the taste of hemp and make it taste like tobacco. And I think that's really one of our key value propositions. So in the US, it's federally legal. In Canada, hemp is governed the same way as cannabis. So we're sort of going through that process to figure out uh, how it makes sense in Canada, uh, where it could otherwise be sold and the formulation that we would need to use in order to abide by the regulations. Because the last thing you want to do is come in with a product, big hoopla, and, and government comes in and says, no. Nope. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are the things that, we, like, look, we, we try to tread um, as carefully as we can to make sure that, you know, when we launch a product into a market, it, it has all the runway it needs to succeed. And 
I think over the last number of months, we've been able to really start making some inroads in Europe. And you asked the question before, like if you take a look at the smoking incidence rate, Canada, the U.S. is similar, about 14-ish percent. And you take a look at a lot of countries in Europe, some of them are upwards of 25%. So smoking is still more socially acceptable in Europe, and there's almost a bigger market there. So when we're looking at, you know, devoting resources to commercialization efforts, you really want to go where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. And I think for right now, the U.S. and Europe are where we're going to get the best bang for our buck. So in other words, there's tons of problems to solve. Let's focus on the ones uh, that are going to give us the, the lion's share of what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. But as you start building the runway, then you can always look at expanding from there. But at least give yourself that base load so that you know that this stuff is coming in and then you can grow. Perfect. All right, man, Seti, dude, you've been an amazing guest. I never thought I would be talking to somebody who's trying to uh, poke their way into the, the smoking industry. That's kind of a weird one for me, especially on the tobacco side. But beyond tobacco, that's a thing. So uh, if people want to invest in the company, maybe buy stock, maybe uh, get a hold of you, place an order, how can they do that? So they can either uh, uh, check us out at tatglobal.com uh, or trytat.com. And uh, they can learn more about the company, uh, our initiatives, sign up for our newsletter. And if you, again, the product will be on TriTat. Um, and if you're in the U.S., we actually have a, a programmer running on the website where you can register. We'll send you your first pack for free. That's how confident I am about the product. Try it. It's on me. Mm. Free. Free. Gotta love free. All right, ladies and gents, uh, Seti, thank you very much for being on the program. You heard it. Get your free stuff. Check it out. Uh, TagGlobal.com. Follow them on social media at TagGlobal. Um, dude, changing the world a little bit at a time, making it just a little bit better option. It's the better tobacco. Or beyond tobacco, we said, right? What do we call the Seti? Beyond tobacco? Beyond like tobacco. the impossible burger. It's impossible. <laughs> All right, now. <laughs> Seti, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys again next time. Peace, and we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the Business Bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the Insurance Bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.